My guest today is a dancer, aerialist, audiovisual technician, stage kitten, and queen of handstands that is currently a Gallatin student here at NYU. You've seen her both kitten and perform at Secret Loft, as well as perform at places like Dixon Place and Circus Warehouse. I'm happy to have with me today the immensely talented Ingrid Amelia Apgar. Hello. Thank you so much for that introduction. Let's start from the beginning. Can you tell me about growing up in Massachusetts and what that was like and what were you interested in besides ballet? We'll touch on that. Absolutely. So, of course, ballet was a a big component of my childhood, but I also played ice hockey for about 10 years. I was a goalie, started out when I was little enough being able to do everything, but as I got a little bit older and stayed nice and short, it was easier and safer to be in the goal. I also was really into trombone. I was really into school, so I I loved school a lot, and I continue to. And I just spent a lot of time watching dance and wanting to dance and dancing. What dance was of particular interest to you? Well, ballet, of course, but I, I had this huge obsession with Dancing with the Stars. So ballroom and Latin styles were actually of interest to me, and I spent very little time ever studying them. There wasn't any opportunity close to our house, I suppose. But I I was just in love with that show. So from there, I got very much into jazz. I took some modern. I never got to tap, unfortunately, until I got to college, but I was very interested in tap as well. It was sort of whatever was available. Then how did you get into ballet? When did that happen? <laughs> ballet started when I was young, definitely. I think I was about three, and my parents took me to a class, and I don't remember this, but apparently the story goes that I refused to actually take the class. So I would sit on my mom or my dad's lap, whoever took me to class, for the entire class. And then after the class ended and the the teacher was gone and all of the kids were gone, I would run up and go to the bar and start trying to copy what I had seen people doing. So it took me a few classes to kind of kick the shyness away. But eventually I actually started taking class with everyone and went from there. How long did you end up doing ballet? I did it pretty intensely until I was 15, which is when I moved to high school. Then how come you kind of stopped? I stopped because, so I went to Concord Academy in Concord, Massachusetts, and it's a half boarding, half day school. And I was a boarding student. And when I went there, I knew that I was going into a dance program that was a little bit more experimental than anything I'd ever done before. And I danced with Boston Dance Company for quite a decent chunk of my childhood and I had been a company apprentice with them I think this is 20 2011 2012 and then 2013 was when I entered high school I did one last season with them in the Nutcracker and then it was just too big a commitment to find ballet outside of school Mm -hmm. so then I stuck with the more postmodern program that they had available at Concord from there why did you end up at NYU (laughs) Um, My college counselor was, because they provided one at Concord, I was talking to him and I had applied to Barnard and I didn't get in and we were going through options for early decision two or Mm. for just regular application and he was like, you know what, I just went to a thing for this school called Gallatin, which is at NYU, and you don't have to choose one major and based on all of the things you're telling me about wanting to major in dance and chemistry and math, I feel like maybe this is a place for you to look at. 
because you wouldn't have to choose. And I read about it. I looked up the faculty online. I talked a little bit to some of my, my teachers at high school, and they said, go for it. And I did, and I got an ED2. Awesome. And I think at the end of the day, you probably enjoy Gallatin more than Barnard from what I've heard. I can say that, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> can you tell me a little about your Gallatin concentration and how that came to be? Yes. Oh, it was quite a path to get to where we are now, and it's still changing as we speak. Mm -hmm. When I got to Gallatin, the key terms that I was thinking about were early childhood education, math, patterns, I think was one of them for me, or space, maybe. And I knew that I wanted to make dance or, or work in movement somehow. And so I started in with my classes. They were incredibly formative from the beginning, all of them. And I spent the first two full years getting my math minor. That was pretty intense by the end. That Those classes were not easy. But I really enjoyed, I think, really the first three quarters of the process. Mm -hmm. And then the, the last quarter was really just a push to make sure it got done. But then after I stopped math, I had an advisor change in Gallatin. And I, uh, I now have the illustrious Eugenia Kisson, who's one of my favorite people and is absolutely brilliant. And my concentration started to become a more central part of why I was actually here. So my interests shifted more from math and coding and space and art into ecology, which I was really not expecting, or ecologically focused interests. Mm -hmm. I have been very interested in very, very small things for a very, very long time. And my grandpa would teach us basic calculus concepts and physics concepts when we were quite young. And I, uh, he taught physics to be very clear. And he was an instrumental part in me coming to realize that I loved the idea of small things and the idea of atomic things and nuclear things. It, it was all fascinating to me, both when I was a bit younger and then it came back around as I took a few classes that were relevant to those subjects. So my concentration developed in that moment into something that was focused on post-World War II Japan and the dropping of the atomic bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki and the processes in procuring uranium and plutonium for those bombs and the lives of the people who built them and the lives of people who were destroyed by them or were destroyed in a more slow sense and that they were not killed but they survived the initial thing. But what does that process of living post traumatic event or during an ongoing traumatic event look like. So that was what my concentration was for a little while. And then I took a class called Discard Studies and I got interested in incineration and municipal waste systems. And so now I'm doing a senior project that is looking at new materialist theory and the idea of ash and waste and plastic. Don't they force you to have like a fancy sentence to describe that? Of course. What is the fancy sentence you use to describe that? You ready for it? Yes. Fragile bodies, transient matters. From there, what was your first exposure to circus? And then when did you realize it was something that you wanted to do yourself? So I was first exposed to circus on a pier in Santa Monica. And I took a silks class. I don't quite remember why I took a silks class, but I think it was something that I was always interested in. 
And from when I was about 11 or 12 years old and I finally was granted access to YouTube in my family without sort of restrictions, mm -hmm. I had this contortion performance that I watched from the Cirque show Kuza. Mm -hmm. And it's this beautiful, beautiful trio of three, at that moment, I guess, quite young women or, or girls. And it was beautifully choreographed. The music was just intoxicating for me and I listened to it on repeat. And so I always had circus in the back of my head as something that I thought I would be interested in at some point. But I think I also had in the back of my head that even though I had this investment in ballet, there was something about my body that would not be able to do it. Like I could never be that strong and really be able to accomplish those things. So I somehow came to take this tissue class. Around that time, I had also taken a flying trapeze class back in Boston. This was all with Trapeze School New York in different locations. And also somewhere around that time, I went to Frenchwoods Festival as a camper for one session. And I was put in static trapeze as an act. And I absolutely fell in love with it, but sort of fell off of it again once I got back to school because I was still in high school and to live on campus isn't particularly conducive to also doing other things off campus. And then what happened eventually is I spent a lot more time at Frenchwoods as a CIT doing circus and more circus and more circus and they hired me back to coach. And so I worked there for a few years and then I ran into the also illustrious Susie Winson at a family birthday party. Turns out there is circus in my family, which I was only vaguely aware of, but I have a cousin who's up in Montreal who's a circus performer. One of their birthdays was happening and I met Susie Winson who owns Circus Warehouse in Long Island City, Queens. And she invited me and she was like, your family, come fly, come just hang out. And I did. And it took a few months for me to really kind of walk through that door because that was an overwhelming idea to, to you know, go into a class where I didn't know anyone, where I, I wasn't very experienced in what we were going to be doing, but eventually I took that, and then I took a stretch class. And that stretch class, which was February 10th in 2018, so just over two years ago, that was my big turning point. I took one, and then I took three more that week, and then I started taking them consistently every single week. This is all with Emily McFarlane at Circus Warehouse, and I joined the professional program that June. It's called like circus school. Does one like graduate or is it something that you just go to for as long as you see fit? I think it still depends on the person. There is no sort of official graduation point from Circus Warehouse that I have come to understand. I get the sense that it is more of a holistic approach to sort of bringing you out into the world. So when it is your time to really go out and start working, you might remain in the professional program, but you also might not, and you might not need to, because part of the professional program is that you are learning how to condition and how to keep yourself safe and how to be a, a self-sufficient performer. So if you're at a place, which this is sort of where I still view myself, where you need someone to be giving you suggestions on how to condition and how to improve your base skills, that's where you still should be in the program. And also where you still might need a good amount of support in putting up a performance. If you really want to have a workshop experience of, I've made this thing, but I'm not sure I'm ready for people to see it yet, 
that's where the intensive is quite good at helping you incubate something. Specifically, Susie is quite good at helping you incubate something. What would you say is your strongest apparatus? Is that how you speak circus? That is how you speak circus. <laughs> okay. My strongest apparatus is dance trapeze. That's the one that I primarily perform on. But I also do have this lovely new apparatus, not that new at this point, I suppose, uh, that I'm calling Aerial Square. Also yes. goes by Aerial Frame. Uh, some people call it Window. And that one I actually got because I wanted to be performing Lyra, Aerial Hoop. Mm-hmm. But I don't actually love that apparatus a lot. I find that it sort of hurts my wrists because of a very specific angle that you have to hang from. Mm-hmm. And so I was on Instagram and I was scrolling. And this, don't take my advice, kids. Don't buy things off Instagram. <laughs> but I was, I came across this man named Instagram handle Flyer Cads, and he had this beautiful square, and he had posted it a few months ago, and I was like, that's like a dance trapeze. But the ropes are solid, and then it has a top bar as well. That's basically a dance trapeze, right? Uh, so I, I DM'd him, and it was available, and I got it. So that is my solid apparatus. Dance trapeze is my mixed apparatus, and I love them both. Where do you keep it? <laughs> <laughs> Good question. They are both at Circus Warehouse right now. Okay. Is there an apparatus that you hope to learn in the future? It's not exactly an apparatus, but it is a discipline. Handstands are a thing that I work on a lot, but I am not proficient in them. I am not a hand balancer, but I admire quite a lot of people who are hand balancers, and that's what I've been putting a lot of work towards. I want to to be stronger, and I want to be able to do a lot more. For now, I'm just really happy that I can invert myself and stay there and make some shapes. And sometimes get up there nicely. I've seen you on Instagram. You're not giving yourself enough credit, I think. It's not hand balancing, though. I can handstand. I am not a hand balancer. I have to give credit to the good ones. How, okay, for a layman, (laughs) how would you describe the difference between a handstand and a hand balance? Mm. Is that when you, like, just get on, like, one hand? I would say that you're probably approaching hand balancer status when you can do a one-arm handstand, definitely. But I think in a way, the way that I like to think about it is somebody who's a hand balancer has such a significant and developed confidence on their hands that in some capacity, it's not that much different than being on your feet. Like if you can stand and you can stand still, as most of us can, (laughs) A hand balancer can do that on their hands and not think about it too hard, probably. Is there anything about doing ballet for years that proved beneficial for doing aerial? Absolutely. I think my my lucky star is that my parents put me in ballet every day when I'm at circus. Something that I have talked about a lot with Susie Winson and then also with my, my sort of primary coach, Susan Wojtyki, who teaches my dance trapeze class, is that ballet has afforded me the privilege of not having to think too hard Mm -hmm. when I'm in the air about aesthetics. And that is something that I was not aware of me not thinking about, of course, because I wasn't thinking about it. But I I don't have to spend the first year of my circus training understanding how to engage myself to have straight legs and pointed toes. Mm -hmm. I don't have to make decisions about the tricks that I'm doing to avoid certain things to make sure I'm only showing the most aesthetically beautiful side of myself Mm -hmm. because if all else fails my legs are straight and my toes are pointed ballet has given me that 
grace and fluidity that I see a lot of people having to work immensely hard for. And I'm just glad that I had to do that hard work earlier. Alternatively, is there anything about having like originally a ballet dancer sensibilities that you had to unlearn or made things harder into doing aerial? Definitely. And I think this is something that I also worked through in high school. It's that when you grow up with strict ballet training, you have an idea of how you do and you don't move. And to undo that is quite a process. And so my high school dance teachers, Richard Colton and Amy Spencer, were very helpful in in giving me opportunities to move in ways that I would have thought previously were undesirable or not pretty or that people just wouldn't be interested in seeing. They gave me those spaces to experiment there. And then once again, when I got to Gallatin, Professor Leslie Satan also sort of broke my idea of what dance was and helped me build it, not even back up, but in every direction, slowly, class by class, to figure out how not only Ingrid with her 15 years of ballet moved, but how Ingrid at her innermost self moved. As I mentioned in the intro, you stage kitten at Secret Loft. Can you tell me about how you got your start doing that? Absolutely. I was performing at Dixon Place, and it was my first time there. This was back in September of 2019, so not too long ago. And I was very nervous because I had never performed outside of Circus Warehouse before. And I ran into Ariel. She was the other aerialist that night. And I remember I had rigged, I'd gotten there super early, and I was like all set and ready to go. And then this other aerialist came in with so much beautifully done makeup and these like rhinestones everywhere and this flowing black hair. And I was completely in awe. I was like, this is, this is ridiculous. Who is this? And then she rigged her chains, which I had seen in only a few contexts before. So I was like, wow, this person's really cool. (laughs) And I have to perform next to them. But then we started talking backstage and I told her that I worked in technical theater, which at Gallatin at the Jerry H. Labowitz Theater for the Performing Arts, since they like you to say the whole name. Mm -hmm. And when we were chatting, she said, oh, well, I produce the show Secret Circus at Secret Loft. And I need a person to like stagehand, a stage manager, do whatever. Do you want to? And I was like, yes, I do. <laughs> I definitely do. And it, it went from there. I've been doing their secret circus shows and their street meet shows since last September. How have you found the experience? I know that in the burlesque world, there are some mixed opinions on being a stage kitten and what it implies and even the title. It's funny because I actually hadn't heard the term stage kitten until you emailed me asking about doing this interview. It had not been a part of any of the conversations that I had been with with Ariel or been in with Ariel and Alex. It was always just said that I was either a stage manager or a stage hand or uh, for Secret Circus a rigger. Mm -hmm. And it was just implied that I would kind of pick up anything that was on the stage. So whether it's like someone's pasties or a bunch of glitter or fake blood or once maybe just once real blood sand whatever it is it was just implied that was my job and and you do it and then as I started looking into what people believe is this stage kitten role I was kind of surprised because it seems like there's this whole opinion that or maybe not even an opinion but there's this discourse around 
whether stage kittens need to be sexy or mm. need to dress up or look any particular way and whether they're actually in some sense a performer in the show as well or if they're really just kind of the person who's grabbing everything and leaving and as I do more and more shows with Secret Loft I've been thinking about this as well because throughout the fall I would just come wearing whatever I was wearing you know pick things up do my thing help the performers make sure they're settled all of that but then my birthday happened on the night of a secret circus and I was in a sort of a very toned down but a costume for the theme of the show that night and at the end they wanted me to sit on a cake <laughs> that was a thing I did not do I ate the cake instead but um, <laughs> I realized that there is sort of a performative aspect to the role that I had been playing that I hadn't considered a performative aspect until the audience started sometimes commenting on the fact that I existed, whether through whatever the MC is saying, sometimes they'll respond to the MC and that will have something to do with me. So suddenly I'm not invisible anymore. Or sometimes I got someone put a dollar in my bra once. That was very nice. Thank you. <laughs> um, but I, I've slowly become in my mind, less invisible to the audience. And that, I think, is more in line with the stage kitten idea. You mentioned, actually, ice skating. Yeah. You mentioned on your website that you can ice skate and, I believe, roller skate. Yes. Have you gotten the chance to do anything with that in your professional career, in a no, performance context? I have not, and I want to. So Disney on Ice, hit me up. <laughs> I absolutely would love to be able to perform on ice, but I, have, I haven't had the opportunity. Would you actually want to do like a Disney on Ice? Oh, I would be totally down for a Disney on Ice. What would be like your dream? Like, because I guess you'd play like any Disney character. Who would the Disney character you want to play on Ice? Oh, see, this is hard because I actually didn't really grow up on Disney. What'd you grow up on? My cousin Vinny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, so you can ice skate as Marissa Tomei. <laughs> That would be phenomenal. And I want the flower jumpsuit. That mm -hmm. is the only thing I would ever wear as a performer. No. For Disney characters, I have a soft spot for all of Beauty and the Beast. Okay. So if anyone ever wanted an aerial frame or aerial wardrobe skater, mm. hit me up. Let's do it. At this point in your life, what would you say your dream gig is? So that's a really tricky one. And I think because disciplinarily performers and technical workers are often seen as very separate in professional worlds I think when you get when you're down on sort of my level right now or a little bit lower than me it's it's common to do both but I get the sense that a lot of people feel like they have to choose mm -hmm. and so do choose and because of that I don't know it's like I want to be a flying monkey in Wicked but I also want to be the person who flies the monkey in Wicked mm -hmm. or monkeys there are many many monkeys in Wicked I have to leave that sort of ambiguous because I don't know if my perfect job exists, but I do know that I would love to work with Cirque du Soleil in some capacity, not necessarily as a performer, but I find the company intriguing and I find the idea of touring intriguing. And specifically, I'm in love with their show Lucia and I love the water elements. So whether it was Lucia or I know La Reve in Las Vegas has water elements, I like that idea of, of being interdisciplinary the sort of materiality of having water as an integral part of a show or for Axel having ice as a part of the show. Mm -hmm. I like that circus is being combined with things that circus is not always traditionally. 
you mentioned that you don't want to be like pigeonholed into one thing. You don't want to have to pick. But at the same time, do you, when asked to describe like what you do or who you are, like what is the label that comes to mind first typically, if there is one? I don't think either performer or technician first. It really comes together for me right now. I, it, The order that I describe it is generally arbitrary, but if I'm asked in my sort of student framework what I do, I say, oh, I'm a student studying blank, whatever that blank is, and it's contingent on who I'm talking to generally, mm-hmm. as many Gallatin students seem to decide. Mm-hmm. And then I also say I work at the theater in Gallatin, I work at Secret Loft, and I perform throughout New York in whatever context it is, whether it's at a rooftop bar for a corporate situation, for Susie Winson privately whenever she wants always, mm-hmm. or at Dixon Place, I, I do whatever becomes available. Have you had the opportunity to bomb yet? And if so, what is the worst you've bombed and what did you learn from it? I don't think that I've bombed anything in New York yet, which is... In New York? In New York. There's one thing that I feel I've certainly bombed, but this is going back to Boston Dance Company and when I was still in ballet. That's fine. You could, if you want to talk about it, you could bring it up. Gladly. When I was with Boston Dance Company, I had quite a brain for remembering choreography. Mm -hmm. And by the time that I was finishing up my time there, I knew every Waltz of the Flowers track. I knew every Snow track. I knew, could not necessarily execute, but knew every second act variation, all of the party girls, all of the party boys, all of the party dads, Mm -hmm. kind of whatever track you wanted me to be in, you could throw me in, and I already knew it. And unfortunately, that didn't happen all of the time, but it did happen with some frequency. There was a day where I think we had a 10 a.m. school performance. Mm -hmm. I had a friend who tapped out and I went in for snow for mm. her in her track, and there's snow in the snow scene, just paper kind of falling from this sieve on the ceiling. Mm. And I I was tired. We had done quite a few of the performances so far that season, and I hadn't gone on for that track. And there was something that happened between being in a track that I had never performed before and all of this paper snow coming down on us, all of this, I did not fully fall, but it almost happened. I, I was pretty much about to face plant, and we saved it, got back up, kept going. I have not seen video of it, so I don't know that video exists, but that was a pretty big bomb for me, almost face planting in the middle of the stage. Did you learn anything from the experience? I learned that rosin is very important. <laughs> Good lesson. Finally, is there anything you've learned in circus school uh, that has proved surprisingly useful in just day-to-day life? Absolutely. Before I was in circus, I think I had certain ideas of what my mind and my body could accomplish, and they were maybe outdated because I wasn't dancing as intensely and I wasn't really moving a lot. And as someone who spent a lot of my life moving, it's strange to not be moving a lot, to be so sedentary because school is so intense. Circus taught me the importance of keeping my body and my mind active in order to perform well in every aspect of my life. 
and then also taught me specifically handstands with my lovely coach Nobu at Circus Warehouse. I have learned that there is something meditative about stillness and I don't actually meditate in any capacity. One of my professors recently asked me if I do and I definitely I don't but there's something so so important about finding stillness in everyday life Mm -hmm. and being able to just rest with what is inside your head and stop or even rest with what is inside your head or rest with what is directly in front of your eyeballs and maybe be outside of your head entirely and to think about that has informed the last two years that I've had in school and in life generally is to appreciate what is in front of me in that moment or what big thought is sitting with me in one moment and I am still working through what that means or what that is but I'm thinking about it a lot great and with that where can people find you follow you see you perform live and or consume your media oh please do all of the above you can find me I guess don't find me on Facebook because I'm pretty boring on Facebook but if you would like you can find me on Instagram at Ingrid Amelia Apgar. I also have a Weebly website, so if you want to look me up there, it's ingridameliaapgar.weebly.com. And I tend to update that with any of my upcoming performances. And if you really do want to find me on an everyday basis, just come to Circus Warehouse. Come to Gallatin. Come uh, keep tabs on Gallatin Arts Festival coming up this spring in April uh, and some smaller events that are also happening around that time. And come to Caught in the Act at Circus Warehouse, which I believe is March 14th. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. Absolutely. Thank you so much.